What is going on, everybody? This is Mike Hughes, and you're listening to Mike on the Mic, everything sports-related podcast. This is episode 24 of Mike on the Mic podcast, and in honor of that, I wanted to dedicate this video to none other than number 24 himself, the late and great Kobe Bean Bryant of the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, This is a video I've been waiting to make for so long. I mean, ever since his tragic death of him, his daughter, and uh, I believe seven other people in a helicopter accident on January 26, 2020. Um... I've been waiting to make this video or even just have this conversation truly of just who Kobe was as a person, as a human being, and as a basketball player. Um, This is something I feel like not a lot of people are talking about. I feel like we're all talking about his game and him as a father and him as a a husband, but nobody really talks about the full story of Kobe Bryant. Um, I think I got this idea originally after watching The Last Dance with Michael Jordan, and I said, wow, if they made a Kobe Bryant documentary the same way they made The Last Dance, I mean, it would be through the roof. It would be probably better than The Last Dance, um, in all honesty. I mean, the story, who he was as a person. I mean, he was so much more than basketball. This man spoke different languages. He grew, he was in different countries. He supported so many communities, um, so many organizations and charities. This man, we watched him come out of high school at 19 years old and grow into a man throughout his 20-year career. Um, This is something I think I'm not going to take lightly. I have so much to talk about. I have so much info. I have so many. I did so much research on this. This has been in the works for a couple weeks. Um, And I still feel like I'm missing stuff. I just this man did so much in such a short period of time that in his only 40 years of life. That there's just you just can't cover it all in 60 minutes. So I'm going to do my very best. Um, I, I might even make a part two to this one day if anybody wants to hear other things about him or his how his family is or just the other things other than basketball um, about Kobe if you want to hear about it. But today we're going to be breaking it down. I have my buddy from L.A. He's been my buddy for about four to five years now. Jonathan Mathis is a L.A. journalist. Um, he's from L.A. He's a sports journalist. He is amazing. The man, the man knows his sports. He knows his Lakers. He grew up a, an L.A. native. Um, he's going to be having a baby soon. So, Jonathan, if you're listening to this, congratulations, my brother. Um, so happy for you. You finally got to see your Lakers and your Dodgers win. This is your year, brother. Whether there's a pandemic or not, 2021 is going to be blessings for you. And thank you for being a part of this podcast and answering a few questions. Um, Jonathan isn't here right now. He's, he's in L.A., obviously. Um, he's not going to be in a Zoom call or anything like that. I sent him the questions and he just responded. So we're going to be hearing a little bit from Jonathan later. Um, I'm going to be putting in the description below when Jonathan will be speaking. So if you just want to fast forward to that or or something along those lines, um, it will be in the description below. But this is going to be, we're going to start off just talking about the life of Kobe Bryant. Um, and then we're going to work from there. And we're going to just talk about how he grew as a man. And then we're going to talk about his game, obviously. Um, what he attributed to the NBA, how much talent he had, how much talent um, he faced. I mean, when you really think about it, we're going to get into it in a little bit, but Michael Jordan played against a lot of bad motherfuckers. You know what I mean? Um, LeBron James played a bunch of a bunch of bad dudes. I mean, some pretty good teams, some bad guys. And, and Kobe got a mix of both of that. And I think it really doesn't get talked about that much. And I can't wait to break that down. Um, Right now, we're obviously going to be talking about Kobe Bryant as a, um, as a child. We really are. Um, I can't wait to get into this. It's such an interesting story. And I think it's just something not talked about as much. So we're going to break it down. Kobe Bryant, obviously born 
August 23rd, 1978. Um, he was born in Philadelphia. And if you, if you don't know much about Philadelphia, you know, they're home of the 76ers, the Eagles. They're a blue-collar um, city. They work hard. They are what they are. Um, you, nobody, you can't go into Philly being soft. You ever seen the Rocky movies? You ever seen anything like that? Um, Philly is full of hardworking people. And I think that's, a, that's insane because someone like Kobe honestly does represent what Philadelphia is to a lot of people. Um, they're hard workers. They are what they are. Um, his father was a, a basketball player. And, and at the age of, I forgot what age he, I know in 1984, he moved to Italy. Um, he didn't know a lick of Italian. His father went to go play basketball there and finish out his career. He lived there for about eight years, um, six to eight years, I, I roughly. And he didn't know a lick of Italian. And he didn't know these kids. He didn't really have anybody else except his siblings um, and his parents. And, and the craziest part is about this. Imagine right now, um, you're, make, you're, you're making it big. You know, you're just a kid. You're hanging out with your buddies every day. You're doing your thing. And then, bam, you get sent to a different country. You don't know a lick of that language. You don't know what you're doing. You don't know anybody there. What do you do? You don't know what you're going to do. I wouldn't know what I would do. Kobe Bryant said, you know what? I don't need to talk for people to get to know me. I'm going to play basketball and let my game do the talking for me. Kobe Bryant played basketball. Um, and that's honestly, I think, how he met people, how he began to learn the language. He, you know, you don't understand what these kids are saying. You don't understand... Um, their slang or their traditions or anything like that. So you play what you know. And what he knew was basketball. And Kobe Bryant became one of the, probably one of the best young athletes um, in Italy. And at the time, at a very young age, obviously, um, he came back into high school, I believe, um, about six to eight years later. And, and, and he balled out. I mean, after a while, though, he didn't look great. I remember he said, I was watching an interview about him. He didn't make a single shot. I think, in, in a summer league he was in when he came back to the States because it's so different, because people are bigger, because they're more trained and because of the competition they've been facing. Um, he, he did go to high school at Lower Merion High School um, in Ardmore. Uh, yeah, it's located in Philadelphia. He went back to Philadelphia. Um, sorry, I was trying to read that right. I didn't want to butcher it. Um, but after a while, he said, all right, I'm going to perfect my craft. And this is how smart Kobe Bryant was. He also said at the age of six playing basketball, he realized how to beat everybody else on the court. Now, this is the, at the age of six. You know, it's not, it's just for fun. There's no competition, but this man was ready to win. This man wanted to win now. He said, six-year-olds can't dribble with their left hand. Now, I'm left-handed, so that's all I could do, but you get the point. He realized if you forced six-year-olds to go left, you could steal the ball and score. You could average 60 points. He could average 60 points a game doing that. And that's, the, just, that's just the genius of Kobe Bryant. He understands his role and where he is and, and the circumstances around him. Um, now, obviously, we're not going to sit here and talk about his childhood the entire time. I just wanted you to get an idea. Um, I think one of the most interesting things about Kobe as a young man was he had a kill list. And by this kill list, I mean there was some magazine called Street Magazine or something like that um, where Kobe was ranked like 50th of the best high school athletes. And, and he wrote down every single name in his mind. or on I forgot if it was on paper or in his mind, but he wrote it down. Every single guy he was going to beat that was higher than him on that list. And he did. Or he was going to be better than them in some way if he didn't get to play them. And that's just, that's just that Mamba mentality that we're going to be getting into in a little bit. Um, I find this really interesting um, that it just seems from the jump, 
like he was born with this mentality. No one really taught him that way. No one really forced that on him. He just found it in himself to want to be the best, to want to prove that, to not be disrespected, to be taken seriously. And I think that's something insane that no one really talks about. Um, like we all, we all think right now, oh, well, I have my influences um, from Derrick Rose or, or Walter Payton or Kobe Bryant or, stuff, or Anthony Rizzo or stuff like that. This man was his own influence. This man just wanted to be the best him he could be at such a young age. And you really don't see that. Most kids just want to hang out with their friends or do kid stuff. This man was ready to ball from a very young age. Um, we're going to get into it right now. Um, he was obviously drafted in the NBA by the Charlotte Hornets out of anybody, which is, the, which is insane to me. He was drafted by the Charlotte Hornets. And um, the craziest part of all of that is he was traded to the L.A. Lakers. I, I wrote down who. Let me get it real quick. Um, 1996, he was drafted 13th overall um, by the Charlotte Hornets, and he was instantly traded to the L.A. Lakers for center Vladek Divac. Um, if you don't know him, or yeah, Vlad Divac. I have no idea who Vlad Divac is or whether he panned out to be a solid player or not. The Charlotte Hornets snoozed, um, and, and Kobe Bryant went to L.A., and he got men- he was mentored by Michael Jordan. When, you know, whenever he played against him, he mirrored Michael Jordan. And I think that's why I love his game so much is because a lot of guys try to do their own thing, try to make their own shot. And, and guys like Steph Curry, yes, it's working for you, but a lot of guys are trying to force stuff that's not going to work. Kobe Bryant saw the best man in the game and said, I'm going to take him down. It was like a competition to him. Um, but then the closer he got to know Michael Jordan, um, they became like brothers. And, and it was like big brother, little brother. He would mentor Kobe. They became probably the closest to each other mirroring um, as a player that I've ever seen. Like you look at Kobe and you see Michael. You look at Michael, you see Kobe. There's just so many different ways you could look at this. Um, Kobe Bryant, we're going to get into... Before we get into him as a player and what he accomplished, we're going to get into what he, what he did. I mean... We're not going to talk about year by year, month by month, you know, every accomplishment he had. We're going to talk about his awards right now. Um, five-time NBA champion, 18 all-star, 18 time all-star in 20 years, um, 12-time defensive team, 2008 MVP, two-time NBA finals MVP, 2009 and 2010. Um, he won an Oscar for a short film titled Dear Basketball, which if you, it's like five minutes long. Um, it's an amazing short film. And that's not basketball related, but that's just Kobe Bryant related. This man accomplished so much in such a short period of time of his life. Like I said earlier, all those accomplishments were in within probably 25 years because Dear Basketball came out a little bit later. Um, it's just insane to me to think that you accomplished all that. I'm 20 years old right now. Kobe Bryant did all of that within 20 years. What have I accomplished in 20 years? I got a podcast. Um, and honestly, it's just, it's just insane to think of that. Um, he speaks fluent Italian. Um, it's not an award, but it's definitely an accomplishment. There's so many people that can't. Um, I think one of the biggest things you take away from Kobe Bryant is the Mamba mentality. Um, if you don't know what the Mamba mentality is, it's what Kobe believes in to be successful, to be amazing, to perfect your craft. The Mamba mentality is five pillars, if you don't know. Um, the five pillars are resilience, fearlessness, obsessiveness, relentlessness, and passion. And that's what Kobe believes you need to make Mamba mentality. And to break that down in, in my own personal belief of Mamba mentality, 
Um, there's a lot of things you can take into this. You can take this into your game. You can take this into your job, your career. Um, or for me, I took it into my life. Um, for me personally, I experienced a lot of rough things in high school. Um, I had a lot of tragedies in my family and just in life. And, and, and you got to keep moving forward. And I think one of the biggest influences there are looking at guys like Kobe Bryant, um, Derek Rose, guys who come out, they're like Rose and co- coming out of concrete. You know what I mean? That's whatever that saying is. Um, they just blossom and, and they fight through it and they get make it through all the tough times. And I think that's the most dedicated thing you can do as a person is not only believe in yourself and put all the chips in for that, but also build on that. After you have success, you continue to be better. You want to be better than you are. Um, and that's why I, I wasn't always a Kobe Bryant fan at a young age because as a Bulls fan, you're not supposed to like the Lakers. You're not supposed to, you know what I mean? You're just supposed to root against them. But Kobe Bryant, was, I was always a big fan of because of that um, resilience. And it's just so insane to see that. And I think if everybody really did do more research on what Kobe means by Mamba mentality, it doesn't just mean win. It doesn't mean you win the game. It means you win at life. Every day you wake up trying to be better than you were the day before. You win an NBA championship, the next day you're in the gym. That was Kobe Bryant. And I think it's so underrated and so untalked about. And I just think this man as a person, he was a machine. I mean, he just did not give up. I've seen this man tear his Achilles, go back on the court, shoot a free throw, and then walk off. That's insane. If you don't understand what the pain is of tearing a muscle, nonetheless your Achilles then I, I don't know what to tell you, but it is probably one of the most excruciating injuries you can have um, for a basketball player. And he came back stronger and he built on that. He perfected his craft in ways that you didn't see before um, because of that. I think there's a lot of things we can talk about. Um, I want to talk about his championships right now. Before we get into the Kobe Bryant and Shaq feud, the championships, I think, his rosters, the rosters he helped create um, in 1996, uh, Shaquille O'Neal did join the Los Angeles Lakers after leaving Penny Hardaway and those boys um, in Orlando. He was on the Magic. He could not win there, so he wanted to win a ring. That was one of his last accomplishments he needed to uh, certify himself as one of the best bigs in the league. He needed a chip. He didn't have one. Um, obviously, this was in the era of the Michael Jordan second three-peat, so... For a few years, they really didn't do anything. Um, there was somewhat a feud there, but the championships themselves began in twenty or two thousand, when you know the the Bulls broke up, uh, Reinsdorf and all them, cut Phil Jackson and and Jordan and Scottie Pippen and Dennis Rodman and all those boys. Um, it was the new era for the new three peat. This was the newest three peat ever since the Chicago Bulls dynasty. Um, Phil Jackson took the head coaching position as of the L.A. Lakers' new head coach. Um, Kobe Bryant was there. Shaq came. The roster looked a little bit something like this. It was Kobe, Shaq, A.C. Green, Ron Harper, and Glenn Rice. The record was 67-15. and 15. That is insane. Um, they instantly just went to work. And, you know, everything was really peachy. Everything was going really well. And I think, you know, as you should... They were enjoying themselves. Shaq was enjoying himself because he finally had the uh, the support from Kobe and not having to be the number one star on the team. So he kind of let himself go in a little bit, and we're going to get into that in a little bit on why that's an issue. Um, next, we got the 20, 20, or 2001 team. Sorry. Um, 
The record was 56-26. and 26. Kobe Bryant, Rick Fox, Horace Grant from the Chicago Bulls, um, Ron Harper, and Shaquille O'Neal. Um, that team won 50, yeah, they won 56 and 26. Like I said, um, they won the NBA championship, which that was their second win in a row. Everything's still a little bit peachy. Um, and this was when things kind of started to get rocky. It was, Kobe, uh, 2002 and it was Kobe, Shaq, Fox, Derek Fisher, Samika Walker, and a few others. Um, their record was 58 and 24 and they won an NBA championship. The issue was going into that season, um, the 2003-2004 season, Kobe felt alone, um, I guess you can say. The issue was this. It all goes back in about 1998, and I want to talk about this right now because it is really important to going into this next year um, in 2004, 2003-2004. so in 1998, Shaq accused Kobe of being a selfish player. And that kind of started the beef. Um, Shaq kind of didn't feel like he needed to be um, big brother to him. He kind of just felt like he needed the support from Kobe. And that was one of the biggest things. And Kobe felt like, well, I'm just working on my game. I'm trying to be the best I can be. Fuck off kind of thing. You know what I mean? Um, and, they, and, you know, once you, once you win three championships in a row, that kind of... Um, you kind of stop hearing about that, you know. If everybody's winning, everybody's happy. I think Jimmy Butler said that. If if we were, if Jimmy Butler said before, if we were winning, nobody would be having these conversations. Um, and it's and it's the facts. You could see that in football. You could see that in baseball. Um, people lose their jobs when you lose, and people lose their tempers when you lose. Everybody's happy when you win, regardless. Um, you saw that with Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook. Russell, uh, Kevin Durant was, you know, he was fine with, you know, as long as we kept winning, I'll stay. And then once they re- once he realized that he was never going to win a ring with Russ, he went to uh, he went to Golden State, and and vice versa with the with the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, he left the second he realized you know we can't we might not be able to back this back or go back to back, um, and that's and that's honestly that's just life. That's life, and we all need to recognize that. But um, it all started with those comments, and then Shaq started coming into training camp out of shape, um, and Kobe hated that because Kobe would work in the gym for 10 hours a day and just grind and just grind. And he would just work on his craft where Shaq was partying or doing whatever Shaq does, eating and then just hanging out. And he thought, you know, if Kobe's working that hard, I can just show up. And that's that's what bothered Kobe because that's not the Mamba mentality that we all know Kobe believed in. Um, Shaq didn't really have that. Shaq was a force to be reckoned with. Uh, he, he referred to himself as a brick wall. Um, which he was. He was probably he was probably the best center of all time, in my opinion. No question about it. Um, but if he had that work ethic that Kobe had, he could probably be one of the best players of all time. He's definitely in the top five, top ten conversation. But you don't know if he would have perfected his craft the way that Kobe did and just grinded every day in the gym like Kobe, how far Shaquille O'Neal could have actually taken his talents. Um, we'll never know. But my biggest thing is... In 2003-2004, Kobe got accused of raping a woman, and he felt alone in that. And from what I read in the interviews I heard, Shaquille O'Neal did not reach out to him in any way, shape, or form. Kobe did not get accused, or he did not get fined guilty. Um, The trial was let up, and Kobe was innocent, um, obviously. But it could have been really bad, and to not have your brother, the man who was there for three of your championships, a three-peat, you're supposed to be family, uh, you've been together since 1996. That's almost a decade. And this man doesn't reach out to you. There's issues. 
Um, and Phil Jackson goes to the media and starts talking about all this stuff. And, I, and you know, I think that kind of blew it out of proportion than it should have been because Phil probably should have just tried to keep that in-house and just not talk about it as much. But Shaq and Kobe started beefing with each other. And that was the issue. Through the media, not in person. Um, and that, that, that started to the falling out of it. And then to that season, they bring in Gary Payton and Carl Malone. And Shaq makes a comment. Um, I have the quote. I believe it's the quote. Um, Malone and Payton came to L.A. for one player, not two. He's basically dismissing Kobe Bryant as a player because he wasn't um, there at the beginning of the season due to the rape cases, and I believe he had an injury as well. Um, the issue was plain and simple that they were just taking shots at each other and they weren't really talking. They weren't having conversation. They weren't, um, how do I say this? They weren't being the bigger person is basically what I mean. Um, Kobe Bryant was, you know, he was, if Shaq reaches out to me, I'll talk to him. And Shaq was, if he reaches out to me, I'll talk to him. And then Shaq goes, well, I don't even have a cell phone and stuff like that. You know, like if it, it was just very childish and I feel like they really could have worked that out and probably won <laughs> like six more championships than they could have if they just would have stayed together. Um, they lost that season in the finals to the Detroit Pistons. And it was honestly, it was a tragic loss. It really was um, because that would have been a four-peat and, and you really don't see those that often. Um, their roster was Kobe Bryant, Shaquille O'Neal, Carl Malone, Gary Payton, Derek Fisher, and Rick Fox and Horace Grant. They, they went 56 and 26. Um, they lost to Detroit. This happened and then everything just exploded. Um, the crazy part is, and, and to me, to me, this is the craziest part. So basically, they trade Shaq to Miami, and then Shaq wins a ring with Miami and D-Wade, and it, which is the craziest part to me. Um, the whole team is basically blown up, and, and we see that. Um, but Kobe doesn't take that much longer to get better. This is where his, um, he has another finals loss in 2007-2008 season. It's Kobe Bryant, um, Paul Gasol, who I believe, if I'm not mistaken, they had Marc Gasol, and they traded for Paul because they felt Paul was more experienced and Paul was going to be better um, to win championships now. Then they still had Derek Fisher. Um, they brought in Lamar Odom and, and then Luke Walton, who was the coach of the Los Angeles Lakers and ultimately was fired because of LeBron James. Um, and also just because he wasn't, you know, final. He's a great player, don't get me wrong. Um, but some guys just aren't meant to be head coaches for championship caliber teams. Head coaches in general, yes. Um, championship teams, probably not. Um, they went 57 and 25 and they lost to the bad boy Celtics. Rojan Rondo, um, Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett. I mean, it was insane. Uh, Marcus Peters, or I, yeah, I think Marcus was on there. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it was just, it was an intense, it was an intense one. I mean, that was when the Celtics were in their, in their prime. Of, of a dynasty. And, and then you don't, you don't see it last that long, though. Kobe bounces right back. Um, Kobe then wins a championship, uh, I believe, the following year. Let me check. Yeah, 2008-2009 season. It's Kobe Bryant, Marcus, uh, Paul Gasol, Derek Fisher, Lamar Odom, Luke Walton, and Trevor Arzia. They go 65-17, and 17 and they beat him. Um, it's an amazing feeling when you do beat somebody like that. Um and then in 2019, or then they go back to back in 2009 and 2010. Um, this roster is a little bit different. It's still Kobe and Gasol. They had Andrew Bynum, Bynum, 
Derek Fisher, Lamar Odom, Meta World Peace. They go 57 and 25 and go back to back. Um, that's Kobe's championships. I know, you know, that might have been a lot for you. It was just a lot of stats. But um, it's basically just breaking down what happened throughout that career. Um, with Kobe and Shaq and Phil Jackson. Guys like Lamar Odom were interesting to me, though. We all know Lamar Odom does crack, um, or he did do crack. <laughs> but I truly believe they probably could have beat that Celtics team if Lamar Odom was just focusing more on his craft than whatever was going on with him internally um, and off the court. But, you know, we'll never know. We'll never have the answers to that. And it'll always be an interesting conversation to have, but we never know. Um that's Kobe's championships, obviously. 2000, 2001, 2003, lost in 2004, um, lost in 2007, won in 2008 um, and 9. Or basically, yeah, basically 8 and 9. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's it. That's, that's what we know about Kobe Bryant as a Laker. But we're going to get into Kobe Bryant as a person. And I think this is probably going to be one of the most interesting conversations we're going to have with Jonathan coming up. Um, but right now, I want you to get an idea of who Kobe Bryant was um, as a person. We're going to talk about his charities. We're going to talk about all that going into it. And I think it's really underrated, and we just don't have these conversations enough. Um, one sec. I got to log into my laptop real quick. All right, so Kobe Bryant... Probably one of his greatest accomplishments, in my opinion, is the Kobe, Kobe and Vanessa Bryant Family Foundation. This foundation is insane. Um, I got it from eSense.com. I really, I knew he did these things, but I really wanted to get a full um, summary and a full um, viewing of it. I wanted to see exactly what he did and when he did it. Um, he also had the Vivo Foundation. This, this basically, all these charities and organizations helped homeless youth in Los Angeles. Um, he also had the Mamba FC. It was basically a youth soccer club in, or in Orange County. Um, it basically trained young kids to become leaders and promote health and fitness and just to be the best you you could be. Um, this is from eSense.com. He also did other things. I mean, we're going to get into all of it. Um, he did after school all stars. I mean, this is for kids, you know, um, it promotes academic success for the country's youth and basically basically taking care of the kids who are going to end up on the streets and without it. You know what I mean? I mean, we see that in Chicago all the time and you see like at, um, after school matters programs and all that. It's, it's great because what happens to kids is they might not get meals after, after they leave the building. Um, they might, they might end up with a bad crowd. They might not have the best family life, um, the best home situation and people, you need people like this to save the youth, to build the future. And I think without Kobe Bryant's presence in the league um, and in life, the world is a lot darker of a place. Kobe Bryant really did a lot. And I mean, there's just so much he did. There's also, um, he became the founding donor of NMAAHS, um, contributing over $1 million or more. I mean, it's it's basically, um, it was for the National Museum of African American History and Culture. And it's insane to see that. It's insane for, for to see this man not only give back to so many um to so many causes, but the history behind these causes means so much more than people think. And people don't look at this, people don't look at this as, oh, he's just doing this just for the clout. This man was doing this to make the world a better place. 
And I think nobody talks about that. And it just bothers me because I feel like we all just talk about him as a father, as a husband, as a player. But nobody talks about him doing things for the black community, him doing things for kids of pov- in poverty, um, after school matters and, st- and just stuff like that. Um, his version of after school matters, not the actual version. Um, he raised money for awareness of for war in Darfur. Um, I don't know if I butchered that. Um, but basically in 2008, it says Bryant became a spokesperson for aid still required and created a PSA to help bring awareness to the ongoing war in a region where men, women and children continue to be murdered and mutilated. Um, it was the same year he won his MVP and he had a quote that said, quote, if we can unite people who are willing to sta- take a stand, miracles can happen. Together, we have the power to save the world. And if that just doesn't show you who Kobe Bryant was. I don't know what does. Um, Kobe Bryant as a person, the fact that he didn't get to finish out his life, the fact that there were at the age of 40 or 41, whatever age he was, where he tragically passed away. um, You're so young. People don't think about that. People are living to 90s now, to, to, to 100. I mean, this man could have accomplished so much more. And I truly do believe he would have accomplished so much more. Um, he was just starting the best part of his life. I mean, you could say all oh, five NBA championships, that's the best it'll ever be. That was just a game to him. It was his life. It was his passion, but it was just a game. What he was contributing as a father, as a husband, as a donator, as somebody to look up to, as a role model, he was giving back so much more. And this part of his life was probably going to be bigger than any part of his life in the NBA. And I truly do believe that. Um, we're going to have Jonathan talk about that in, the, in, in our next segment. Um, he also donated to LeBron James's I Promise School, where LeBron James made a school for, um, for kids in L.A. I mean, it's insane to me. I believe it's L.A. Um, it's just insane to me to think that. I mean, this is a school for kids who don't get the chance. The, you know, most people, you know... The life you're thrown into is kind of the hand you've been dealt. And there's not a lot of people that try to help change that and try to better you. So when you find people like a LeBron James, like a Kobe Bryant, it really speaks volumes. And and um, Kobe Bryant, you know, with everything going on with Black Lives Matter, um, obviously he was already passed away when the George Floyd um, thing happened. But he also wore a shirt. I forgot who it was. He There's a... There's a were him, LeBron James... Kyrie Irving and Derrick Rose all wore a shirt that said, I can't breathe. I forgot what year that was. I believe it was the early 2010s. Um, But he would definitely have been a supporter of this. And he would have believed in there needing to be change. And he probably would have done so much more for not only Black Lives Matter, but other communities as well and organizations that are trying to lean towards that, trying to lead to stop police brutality and things like that. He definitely would have been a part of that, no question about it. So that's what I mean when I say he could have done so much more if his life wasn't tragically taken away from him and his daughter and the seven other people on the uh, helicopter. But, I mean, he's also done things through Make-A-Wish Foundation. I mean, the man is just, he he did things for Stand Up for Cancer. He's just insane. He's insane how much he's done. Um, he also has a Kobe Bryant China Fund. I mean, it's an you don't see this a lot. And that's why I'm like baffled by this or if the podcast is slowing down, I'm sorry. But with Michael Jordan, all love to Michael. I'm a Bulls fan for life. But Michael didn't do stuff like this. 
I mean, maybe behind the scenes, you know, he gave back, he gave money to people. But this man created his own charities, his own foundations. You really don't see that a lot. You only see, really see that in LeBron James um, and, and guys like Chris Paul, who advocate for the, guy, the men of the NBA and the Players Association. Um, you really don't see that a lot. And to see this from a young black man is not only inspiring to others, it just shows that anybody can do anything, no matter what color your skin is, where you come from, or really just what's going on in the world. You can make the change. It doesn't matter if, you know, people are viewing you differently because of who you are. If you're more than, or they just think you're an athlete, shut up and dribble, um, which was an idiotic take from a news reporter. But it's just the fact is, this man showed that anybody can do anything they put their mind to. And I think that's one of the biggest takes. Um, right now, we're going to get into Jonathan. We're going to get into Jonathan's um, take on a few questions I decided to ask him on how he feels about Kobe Bryant and what Kobe Bryant meant to him. Um, we're going to get into the questions right now. Number one question I had for Jonathan, um, what was it like growing up watching Kobe Bryant become one of the greatest of all time? And this is Jonathan's response right here. Growing up here in Los Angeles and watching Kobe Bryant become one of the greatest of all time was amazing. It was extraordinary. Um, it was somewhat a blessing because not everyone had a chance to witness the Kobe Bryant era. I was fortunate to grow up at a time when Kobe Bryant was entering his prime and I saw the Lakers win multiple championships and it was something special. It, it was like watching um, the greatest basketball player of all time. We all know that's not true because Michael Jordan holds that title, but Kobe Bryant was something special to watch and it is something I will never forget. And that's something I find really interesting from his take. And he said it himself. It's not something everybody got to watch. Personally, um, even though I was alive, I was born in 2000. It started in 2000. I didn't get really a chance to really understand the magnitude of Kobe Bryant and Shaquille O'Neal's legacy together um, until I was a little bit older and I watched more tape and I, I watched these highlights and watched these games back. Um, I did miss the Michael Jordan era. But we're going to get into that question um, in a little bit. But um for him to be able to see that and be an L.A. native, that was probably one of the greatest feelings um, ever, being able to just see this man grow from a young boy to a champion. Um, my next question for Jonathan is, let me get it real quick. Um, it's, how did Kobe Bryant's legacy impact L.A., and how did it inspire the people of L.A. and people such as yourself as an up-and-coming uh, sports journalist, basically? And, like... Basically, this question is meant for the people who were influenced by more than just the game itself, by people, by people who impacted them, such as Kobe Bryant. This is Jonathan's response. Kobe Bryant left behind an impeccable, lasting legacy. Um, and, you know, his career was defined by his toughness, his tenacity, and, you know, his brilliance on the basketball court, um, you know, and I think that touched the heart of many people here in Los Angeles. Um, you know, I, I think it 
it inspired me to want to pursue my dream because of what he was able to accomplish. You know, he just never gave up and he loved basketball so much that he made it happen for himself and he pursued his dream. And that's crazy to me because there's a lot of people I look up to personally. I look up to Derrick Rose, uh, Jimmy Butler, Joakim Noah. Uh, I looked Anthony Rizzo is one of my big ones because of him beating cancer at a young age and then becoming a World Series champion. I think Kobe Bryant would be someone that Jonathan looked up to. And I mean, it's just you don't get guys like that all the time. There's always going to be guys like a LaMelo Ball, but there's never going to be somebody like a Kobe Bryant that you can truly admire and look up to on and off the court. And I think that's crazy. I mean, I think that's a must have been a crazy experience for him. Um, this next question is, how did Kobe Bryant help shape the communities of LA? And how did um, his time as a Laker help inspire kids to take in the right path? Now, we kind of went into that with the charities and uh, the foundations that he had. But this is more of how did he inspire kids that he didn't even help impact? This is Jonathan's response. Kobe helped shape the community of LA by inspiring many in the city and he he not only inspired kids he inspired adults and i think you know for his love of basketball it not only touched the hearts of many but i think it encouraged people to pursue their dreams and and never give up on their goals and continue to chase whatever it is they may be interested in pursuing you know, Kobe was uh, not only a global icon, but an icon here in Los Angeles. And I think that inspired many kids to take the right path, you know, going forward. You know, sometimes we have a role model that we look up to and that role model uh, could have a strong influence on your life as well. Uh, I mean, that's just an amazing take. And I think... I keep talking about Derrick Rose, but I think it's just so similar because of, you know, there's a lot of places in L.A. like Crenshaw and Compton and just so many other bad areas um, where kids don't really get the opportunities that you would see in Beverly Hills or Hollywood or places like that. And you see that in Chicago as well. Um, You know, there's just a lot of communities where these kids aren't getting enough support or having people to look up to. And you get that within guys like Derrick Rose from that community, from the trenches, um, they made it out. I mean, they made it out and they show you that anybody can do it and you just have to have the heart to do it. I think Kobe Bryant was an amazing person to look at and and look at that and be, I want to have those goals. I want to set myself to those goals and those standards, even if it's not through basketball, if it's through art, if it's through football, if it's through um, mechanics or whatever you get into, firefighting, being a police officer, whatever you want to get into, you use that Mamba mentality kind of um, attitude and you can you can run with it. You can take it and run with it. And you can be probably one of the best you can be. And anybody can make it. I truly do believe that. If anybody's listening right now and you have dreams. I had a dream of... This isn't my dream of making a podcast. I had dreams of being a firefighter. Um, or, or being a sports radio guy. Or something like that. And right now, because of the pandemic, I can't follow the dream of being a firefighter. So I'm following this. And I think without guys like that, like Kobe and Rose and, and you know the guys I named earlier... Where would I be today without them? I don't know. Um, my next question for Jonathan is, um, 
in Chicago, we all feel the presence of Michael Jordan, obviously, and the 90s Bulls. Every time you walk into the United Center, if you've ever been to a, a Bulls game, it's probably one of the greatest feelings because you get, you know, the lights turn off. You get to see the Michael Jordan statue. I mean, you get to see the, the banners and the championships and everything. Um, you get to see the trophies. It's just an amazing feeling. You feel Scottie Pippen. You feel um, Phil Jackson. Um, you feel Dennis Rodman. You feel all Horace Grant, Michael Jordan. You feel the presence of these guys. You even still feel Derrick Rose to a, to an extent um, from his MVP season um, as the youngest MVP to ever win it, uh, an MVP. But how, I just wanted to ask Jonathan, do they have that same feeling in the Staples Center every time you walk in? Do you still feel Kobe's legacy or his presence in the air every time you walk in there since his retirement? Do you still feel those championships that you once felt um, when he was a current player? Um, and this is his response. Well, Kobe Bryant is what Michael Jordan was to Chicago. So I get what I get what you mean when you say, how does it feel to have his presence like you guys have Michael Jordan in Chicago? Um, it's a great feeling to uh, walk with a legend as you walk into the Staples Center. Um, you know, you just. Once you enter the Staples Center, the first name that comes to mind is Kobe Bean Bryant. You know, it's the house that Kobe built. Um, and that's something that's never to be forgotten. Because every time you think of Laker basketball, you think of Kobe Bryant. Every time you enter the Staples Center, you think of all those great memories that he left behind in that building. Um it's a, it's a legendary venue. Alright, thank you, Jonathan. Uh, the next question right here, from um, the final question for Jonathan is, winning a championship is a huge accomplishment and hugely impacts any city that gets a chance to win one. But with the recent death of a true legend in Kobe, how did this Lakers championship, not only in a pandemic, but throughout the mourning, throughout the law and the grieving of Kobe Bryant, how did this Lakers 2020 championship by LeBron James and Anthony Davis truly impact LA Laker fans and LA in itself and and how did it feel knowing that it was dedicated to Kobe the 2020 NBA championship means everything to LA for one it happened in a pandemic year and secondly this victory was dedicated to Kobe Bryant after that horrific helicopter tragedy that not only claimed his life but claimed Gianna's life and eight other people who were aboard that helicopter um this just has been this has been an unprecedented year and for the Lakers to win it um is not only a huge accomplishment and not only does it hugely impact any city but it also honors the late great Kobe Bryant a true legend who will never be forgotten. And I think that speaks volumes. I think that speaks volumes to what 2020 means to us. We needed a sense of hope. We needed a sense of um, just something special, something that meant something for not only um, one team, but for a whole world. I mean, this the world was, they respect China, Italy, America. Everybody respected Kobe Bryant and what Kobe Bryant stood for. And I think that's one of the biggest, biggest losses to 2020 or to the world in general. 
um, was the death of him and Gianna in that plane crash. And Gianna was looking, Gianna Bryant, God rest her soul, um, so young, was looking like a mere image of him on the court. They Obviously, if you don't know the story, um, they were taking off on the plane to to a basketball game. Uh, it was foggy out or something, and, and then just something just went completely wrong, and the helicopter crashed with other family members of the basketball um, team. You know, the, it was a kids' league, and Kobe was on his way there. And, one, and this was before the pandemic. So when you really think about it, if the pandemic would have started a month earlier, Kobe would probably, st- and Gianna, and those seven other people would probably still be here today because all those games would have been canceled, which is just insane to think about. Um, it's not to, you know, say that it's it wouldn't have happened eventually um, because, you know, things happen, but it's just crazy to think that just the way the year has, has, has played out has just been so tragic. Um, something I really want to get into and I want to talk about right now is not Kobe giving back. It's not Kobe winning an Oscar. It's not his game, the five championships and, and just him being an amazing person. I just want to talk about him being an amazing father. Um, Kobe Bryant being an amazing father to Vanessa or to an amazing and and an amazing husband to Vanessa Bryant. Um, we watched this man start off as a player and I'm not talking about his basketball game, and grow into an amazing husband with Vanessa. Um, We watch them be, they are probably one of the biggest goals that you'll ever see in a couple. I mean, they just looked so happy after the life of basketball. And Kobe was doing so much for, he had four daughters, including Gianna, who he was really taking under his wing to become a great basketball player. I believe his other daughter, I don't know which one it is, um, one of them plays volleyball. Um, his daughters are all so special in so many ways. Their ages are, I'm going to pull up their ages right now. Um, Gianna Bryant was 13 years old. Okay. Um, Natalia DeMonte, DeMonte Bryant. Sorry if I butchered that. Um, she was born in 2003. So she's like, I'm 20. She's probably like 17 years old now. Um, their youngest daughter Capri Kobe Bryant. Um, she was born in 2019, June 21st. So she's about one year. She's about over one years old now. Um, Bianca Bella Bryant. She was born in. Um, let me check her age. One second. Four years old. She's four years old. She was born in 2016. Um, he was just becoming such an amazing father and such an amazing human being. Um, there's just so many things you can talk about. Kobe Bryant, I think, like I said earlier, it was like, what are those, what are those things called um, after concerts? Um, it was like he was having a second showing of that, a second showing of life. I mean, it was his life outside of basketball. And not only did he perfect his craft as a basketball player, but he's trying to perfect his craft as a man. And every every man has flaws. Every man has issues um, on their way there, on their steps. I mean, every nobody is perfect. And Kobe knew that. Um, whether their relationship was complete the whole time and, and and, you know, perfect, you know, no one can say that. Nobody's life is perfect. But Kobe was focusing on trying to become that. He was taking the Gianna to everything. He was he was he just had a newborn baby. I mean, this man was fully dedicated and committed to his family. 
And I think that's something you don't see a lot nowadays. Um, a lot of things, and, and I'm going to be very brief on this because I don't want to disrespect any part of this video, but a lot of rappers and just um, celebrities nowadays, it's all about women. It's all about money and drugs and all that stuff. And Kobe was not with that. Kobe did not care about any of that. Um, he had his family. He had he could have done anything he wanted, really, um, after retirement, even in his career. He didn't have to settle down. He didn't have to take care of the kids, but he did because that was the man that Kobe Bryant was. Um, I, I made this video, like I said, because I wanted to dedicate this to Kobe, but it wasn't only just to Kobe. It was, I think, my greatest memory um, of Kobe Bryant was after his death. I, I don't play that much basketball. I... I'm insanely in love with basketball, but I'm not that good. I'm 5'8", <laughs> like I'm skinny white guy. You know what I mean? I'm not great. Um, but I hang out with a bunch of hoopers who do. And I hope you guys are still listening. Uh, this, this video was honestly for you. The day I really, other than the, the last dance video, the day I realized the impact that um, a video like this would make, they called it Kobe Day. And uh, if, you, if you go to Export or, or, or your local gym that has a basketball court on there, you know what I'm talking about. Kobe Day was the day I saw people I hadn't seen in years that played basketball, that I hadn't played with in years, guys that I hadn't seen in months. Everybody went to export that night, and we ran games back all night long. I even, got, I even put a couple shots in, and I never even play. I just watched my buddies play, or you know, I played one-on-ones or whatever, whatever have you. I, I'm not legit. I'm not legit at all. I don't run like that. Um, but... Even I got in there. People, anybody, anybody who was anybody who loved the sport of basketball was there. And that was the impact I think he had on not only the youth, but of hoopers in general. Um, I think that was huge. And it was something, it was something special. I felt like I was a part of something. You know, normally when we would be, we're there every night. I'm working out and then I go back in the gym to get some cardio in and run a few games or whatever, or just shoot around. You know what I mean? I'm not really a hooper like them, but that day... Nobody really left the gym. Nobody left the court. Everybody was just hanging out, talking about Kobe, what he was, and Gianna, and who she was going to become, because she was definitely going to become one of the better basketball players um, of her time. And whether or not, you know, she would have been in the WNBA or what have you, she would have been insane to watch, because she was, she looked amazing. Um playing-wise. I mean, it was just insane to watch her just thrive at such a young age of 13. Um, God rest her soul. But like I said, this day, and, and a few days after that, you just, the world stood still. And I feel like that day he passed away with and Gianna and those other seven people on the helicopter had more of an impact then the first day we found out about COVID, everything was a joke about COVID. A, a pandemic disease, a, a pandemic virus occurred and people were taking it lightly. They still are. But that day that Kobe Bryant passed, everybody's heart stopped. Everybody's heart skipped a beat. Everybody was like, what are you talking about? Um, if you watch Shaq's interview, you watch Michael Jordan's video. These are the strongest men in the world and they were brought down to tears. Stephen A. Smith, everybody, no matter who you were, you felt this. And I think it just speaks volumes to who he was as a man, who he will be remembered as. Because you don't see that a lot. You really don't. Um, that's all I really have for this podcast. I think this was an amazing conversation to have. This was something 
um, I really enjoyed doing. There's one last part I want to get into this. Um, I wanted to talk about it since the beginning. I truly wanted to talk about this because I said LeBron James faced a lot of talent. Michael Jordan faced a lot of talent. Um, Magic Johnson faced a lot of talent. All these guys faced um, A1 list NBA players. But Kobe Bryant was in the middle of that. Because of where he was drafted and went, he not only got a chance to play against the Bulls in their prime, in both of the three-peats, um, he also got a chance to play against guys that LeBron James faced. He also got to play against LeBron James. Michael Jordan never played LeBron. LeBron never played Michael. But I'm going to give you a list of guys that... Um, just a short list of guys that Kobe Bryant played against. And I find this insane. Um, just the names itself. Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Hakeem, Hakeem Okonjuwon, Scottie Pippen, Dennis Rodman, Shaq, D. Wade, D. Rose, Penny Hardaway, Russell Westbrook, Tim Duncan, Kawhi Leonard, Paul Pierce, Chris Bosh, Kevin Garnett, Allen Robinson, James Harden, Dwight Howard, Russell Westbrook, I think I said, um... Carmelo Anthony, John Wall in his prime, Rose in his prime. Um, it's just, the list goes on and on and on. And it doesn't stop. Marcus Pierce, I mean, or P, whatever, I forgot how to say his name. Um, it's just insane to me to think like that. I mean, this man played against everybody. He played against Shaq too, I mean, as even as a teammate, but afterwards, but... Ray Allen and Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, you know what I mean? Um, it just keeps going. And it's crazy to think that. I mean, this man played against everybody, and you can't think of one guy who disrespected Kobe on the court. They all loved him. They all loved Kobe. You know, besides Shaq and the beef of Shaq, um, I think one of the greatest ones was when Shaq went to Miami and they played them on Christmas. That was insane. I mean, if you remember that game, that was insane. They played against the Lakers. Um and they went at each other one-on-one. -on -one. It was just one of the craziest things to experience. And I feel like you're never going to get another Kobe Bryant. Um, thank you guys for listening. This was something special I really couldn't wait to make. I feel like this is probably going to be the best podcast I will ever create um, for the rest of the year. Maybe forever. Until I make the Michael Jordan, LeBron James debate. If that's something you want to see, let me know. Um, back to Jonathan. I want to get thank you, Jonathan, for being a part of this podcast. Um, I'm going to tag Jonathan on Facebook, on Instagram, on everywhere that I post this. So you go to his page and you can check out, um, what sports radios he's on and what, what, um, companies he works with and just to read his articles because this man is talented. And if you don't know about Jonathan Mathis, you will, um, this man is up and coming. This man is an LA native who knows everything about everything. I mean, the fact that this man knows things that... <laughs> that you couldn't even find in a book. This man is talented. Um, thank you, Jonathan, for everything. This meant the world to me. Um, my brother for four to five years. I hope you're doing well, man. And thank you guys for, you, for all the love and support. This meant the world to me. RIP Kobe Bryant. Thank you. Bye.